Hello, friends. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Kenton. This is Rewild University's Unleash Your Life podcast. Hi, Kenton. I thought I would bring us some tea while we're out here. Do you have something written uh, do you have something written on your... Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you have... Do you have Google written across your forehead? This? Yeah. Yeah. Is that I, permanent marker? Well, I, I don't know if it's permanent. It's marker. It's just... I, I thought I'd worship the Google gods. Oh, please. For real, why do you have Google written across your forehead? Well, it's a memory aid. Pardon me? It's a memory aid. Thank you for the tea, by the way. You're welcome. I don't get it. It's a memory aid so that I remember to Google my brain instead of Googling Google. I'm feeling googly about this. Can you explain <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> it's a weird word, isn't it? Google, like googly eyes. One of those things that, there's a name for those words that it becomes the thing, like uh, Kleenex. Yeah, Kleenex yeah. isn't actually Kleenex. It's a tissue. Right. Right. Yeah. But Kleenex brand. Like, Band-Aid is the same thing. So I we, never knew that. We don't um, look stuff up on the internet. We Google it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But this is to remember to Google my brain instead. So to essentially think for myself. Because it can get really easy just to Google everything. Okay, I think that probably a lot of our listeners out there realize that you do like to study things. And let's be honest, you aren't driving up to some large university library somewhere to study the things you're studying. Like, what am I studying? Well, like every podcast, practically. Not every podcast, but you have a lot of studies on your podcast. Yeah, yeah. So I use the internet for that. I mean, it's a great resource. Don't get me wrong. It's a wonderful resource. The internet has changed the world. Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, you had an encyclopedia if you were lucky. Right. Oh, my gosh. Do you remember the encyclopedias? They were so Encyclopedia awesome. Britannica. My mom had the whole set. Oh, and you could look up... I mean, you would find things that... Oh. Anyway. Yeah, my friend Eric. Yeah. You know my childhood friend Eric? Mm-hmm. I know Eric. I Hi, Eric, read... if you're listening. We miss you. <laughs> I think he read the entire... Nobody could read the Encyclop- entire encyclopedia. Yeah. yeah if that's could. true, Eric, call us and tell us. <laughs> I want to know if it's true. Or if, if anybody has read the entire encyclopedia. This is like the Zen Jedi Masters. Contact me. <laughs> You're so funny with that stuff. Why? I think it's neat. Okay. So it's awesome that we have all this. So why do you want to Google your brain then? What does this mean? It's just, I was reflecting. We have this incredible resource of the internet. And as we're saying, it's beautiful. I mean, back in history, we only would have been able to have the knowledge that essentially was available to our culture. But now with the internet, we can reach out across the world. We can hear histories. We can just, there's so much we can learn. But at the same time, I think there's a flip side to it that sometimes we don't quite think about. Okay, that's difficult for me to imagine though this is tough here for me to think there's a downside to having information right like really important um, information sometimes sometimes uh, things that you would have to have traveled across the world to learn you can just learn while you're sipping a cup of tea here you know, in your I own see little what domicile <laughs> but take calculators okay great things right yeah but i still have my calculator i know you do like 
elementary school yeah. or something. It's maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was like seventh grade. Great invention. Yes. But we have to be honest and say that a lot of us have kind of forgotten how to do basic mathematics because you don't have to remember how to do okay, division. Okay, quick. What's four plus eight? Um, 17. Wait, wait. Let me get a piece of paper here to write that down. I've got my calculator. <laughs> Oh, wait, wait, I have my phone watch slash whatever <laughs> implant in my brain. <laughs> um, spell check. Spell check, yes. But now spell check can be boon, a boon for people who don't know how to spell. It can. Or what if you're dyslexic? It can be. Or what if you're just lazy, like me? <laughs> well, that's the thing. I've noticed I used to be a pretty exquisite speller, I think. No oh, way. did you win like a spelling bee or something? No, but I just no. was good at it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I could see that. I rarely ever spelled anything wrong, and but now I'm starting to forget how to spell. It may not just be old age. Well, I you're think. not that old, really. I mean, <laughs> I know you're getting close to the big five zero, but still. No, it's I, it's the spell checker. I'm I gotta sure jump in and tell one story about spelling. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I was in. Oh my gosh, Did what was I in? Did you win the spelling? No, but I was a very overachiever, miss perfectionist oh, I here. That. I took myself way too seriously, and this was like second grade. Okay, and it was extra credit, and I spelled the word independence wrong. I was so upset that I cried. <laughs> And one of the reasons why was because the pencil, okay, get this, those of you listening out there, the pencil that I used the test for was a 4th of July pencil that had the oh, word independence written no. on it. Oh. And I didn't even know that. That must have just I mean, then you. I would have felt bad because I would have been cheating, but I, oh man, it was one of those... <laughs> ironic twists of fate see that is you you would have felt bad you would have thought you were cheating right? i know then what do you do i don't remember how to spell it but i see it on my pencil okay anyway spell check well it's okay it's like phone numbers in our phone does exactly. anybody know phone numbers anymore hey out there how many phone numbers do you have memorized in your head very true right so we lose the ability to call let's say our mom our brother or sometimes our own phone <laughs> okay it's all just a button or a voice command so some things are lost and i think the things that are lost are sometimes the person-to-person connections okay. that we had to forge way back when when information was gained from other people and there's accidental knowledge which i think if you go online yes you can stumble on other stuff and you can go down all kinds of rabbit holes of distraction. It's kind of one of the things with the internet. But your search is often constrained to those search terms that you used. And so you're getting a very narrow band of information. Mm. Or if you wander through a... Encyclopedia Britannica ah, or the library. Yes. I mean, I used to find out so many neat things going through that or going to the library or even like in college when you needed something way back in the day. Yeah. You'd go talk to a professor yes. or somebody who knew, kind of studied that topic, an expert. Encyclopedia Britannica is a perfect example. You're looking for... The history of Napoleon, and you're going through there, and then you see something on giant squid, and it wait a second. You and giant you, squid wow. is not anywhere close to Napoleon. Uh, yes, the genus. Oh, I see. Neronis. <laughs> what? You're so funny. Neronis squidius. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. You are the man with Google across your forehead. So, so you're don't saying? Me. Google it. There's there's a person. <laughs> Ha ha ha. So 
there's a personal connection that's lost when we don't go seeking information from people who are knowledgeable in the area that we want to study. There's the accidental knowledge, I guess we're just calling it that, where you find a hidden gem, Mm -hmm. right? You suddenly, your life gets catapulted off into underwater basket weaving because you never heard about it before and you happen to glimpse a book of it in the library on the return shelf. And personal ingenuity. Whoa, that that's a big thing. Personal right. ingenuity, like a big whoa thought for me. Often we're Googling how to do something. This is true, yes. And you will find out how to do it. And you'll get your instructions and you'll do it. But sometimes when we have to figure out something for ourselves, whoa, that makes a huge difference. Yeah, I almost feel that I see this as hard for us as a culture in a way. Mm wanting to just have things easy and accessible it's hard to just call somebody up and say hey are you open today because it feels a little odd can't we just google it that's our comfort culture right yeah no i've (laughs) it's funny you say that because i've (laughs) actually been criticized sometimes online in comments on my youtube videos because i'll ask somebody they mention uh let's say a person in the comment and kind of maybe a semi-famous person. And I'll say, well, who's that? Mm-hmm. And then somebody else will comment and say, well, Kenton, you can just Google it. Right. With the implication somehow that that will have the answer of who that person is. Right. To me, that's going into that whole answer-grabbing side of things where we just look at a few things, say, oh, they kind of correlate, that's the answer. And somehow we think we know it when really... In order to know something, you really have to get personal with it. Answer grabbing. I love that. Yeah. You ask another person about this semi-famous person and you're going to get something more than you would find by just Googling it. You're going to get the reason that they brought that person up right. in the comment. There's a, a connection there with the person that was talking about it. And that you can't get from Google. You can find out how long the famous person lived and what they did, blah, blah, blah. But why does that person, why did they reference them? What right. is that, that connection? Yeah, there's a lot more subtle depth of things that, that we miss. And I think we got into this because we were saying we want it to just be comfortable and easy. We don't want to step out of our comfort zone. You were talking about personal ingenuity in that respect of learning to do something for yourself. It's a little bit like the quintessential, I'm not going to stop and ask for directions kind of a thing. (laughs) Right. But I can understand that. It's scary to talk to other people. It's scary to branch out. Now, let's bring this to our students. Oh, the forest moms. Yeah, because I see this personal ingenuity happening a lot. This is an essential part of the Forest Monk program that we run here because something that we'll tell people right from the get-go is that we have a policy of only ask us how to do something if you have really tried to figure it out for yourself. Mm-hmm. And there's so many tasks that they have to try to figure out. Oh my out. gosh. Cooking is one of the biggest ones and there's all kinds of things with trying to go to the bathroom and how to organize your fire best. There's all these aspects of living. There's a lot. Basic living out in the woods is very different from what we're used to. Yeah. Now, we could just tell people exactly how to do everything. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's how to do it. Right. And here's the exact directions, and you don't have to think. Just follow my words. 
I think a lot of times they miss that connection online with Google because mm. when you're out in nature, you can't go, okay, how do I do this? And there's no one there to tell you. Oh, I've heard it so many times. One of the things I just miss most is that I can't Google stuff. I want to know how to do this. How do I set up this? How do I start a fire in what conditions? How do I cook this mushroom? Right. Google will tell me everything. <laughs> well, and just because we're telling them, don't ask us until you've tried it a few times yourself, doesn't mean that they don't eventually learn multiple different ways to do things. But what's neat about that is it makes room for people to find their own ways and techniques to make discoveries and to build some personal resilience to see that there is ingenuity, there is the ability to get creative. Brett comes to mind a lot. He discovered so much about different fire-making materials and what worked best. He figured out this with the hand drill, which is this friction fire method, one of the mm -hmm. toughest. The, the proverbial rubbing two sticks yes. together. Yeah. yeah. And he figured this, this way of pulling down on it rather than pushing down on it. It's kind of hard to explain here on right. <laughs> audio format. But I would not have showed him that because that's not something that I had ever thought of or done. And that happens over and over again, where if I don't tell somebody how to do something, they're going to use their ingenuity. They're going to figure something out for themselves. And often they figure out something that you will not find on Google that nobody else has done before. That maybe some ancestor 4,000, 5,000, 20,000 years ago figured out. But and their spirit is reaching down through the ages. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. You know, I have to do a little aside. This reminds me of those dolphins. Where are they? Are they down in Florida or somewhere in the Gulf? Oh, the ones that make the... Yeah, the fish, they go up. The dolphins go way up and they almost beach themselves in the water. They kind of oh, hydroplane yes. across the water. Yes. And then the other ones are waiting because all the fish are getting into the shallows and jumping out. But no other dolphins do that anywhere else. But they've figured out something new and unique to their environment and then they're teaching it to their offspring yes super that's cool. just what it reminds me of i sometimes have these weird connections <laughs> in my brain no i like that because there's actually a number of dolphins that uh there's those other ones that make the circle of is it uh, not a bubble circle but a circle of yeah yeah i know what you're talking about sediment and stuff yes and catch yes yes and this is silty. a cultural thing that they teach within Whoa, so dolphin, dolphin culture, culture. Yeah. wow thankfully they don't write google on their foreheads <laughs> that would freak me out it's kind of good doesn't it no it does not it's weird because the o's kind of look like extra eyeballs or eyes or something that's what i was going for <laughs> You should put little dots in the middle of them. Hey, that's a great idea. Okay, can Thank we just you. go back to what we were talking about, please? <laughs> okay, one of the coolest places where this happens is with the weather. So the forest monks are out there. They've been used to checking the weather their whole life. Mm -hmm. And we have this nice 10-day forecast that... It shows us exactly, right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what the weather's going to be, except that it changes every day. Yeah, and... Anyway. <laughs> anyway. But the forest monks develop, uh, not every single one of them, but most of them develop this uncanny way of knowing what the weather is going to be. 
It's pretty neat. Yeah, and they'll often lose it once they go back to civilization. They'll say, I can't tell the weather anymore, Kent, and I could oh, do that when I was in the woods. I think it must just be that all that time, and you really start to pay attention. I mean, if you're getting supper ready, and then all of a sudden it starts raining, it's going to behoove you to eventually realize, you know, look at the way those clouds are going. And I think yeah. there's a lot to us just being out there and picking things up without anybody telling us, hey, isn't there a thing about planes, recognizing planes? Yes, yes. Let me think for a second. Does that actually apply to this? Oh, maybe not. I, just, I don't know. Does it? I was thinking like they didn't weren't told what they were. Yeah. They just saw the plane. Yeah, and no, then... no, you're right. It does apply. So Well, they're... naturally. <laughs> I mean, I thought of it, so. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you can cut out whatever you need to cut out, though. No, no, okay. no. No, we won't edit. This is all uh, uncut. Oh, well, I love you, baby. Can't wait to squeeze your little cheekies. <laughs> okay, so, so it reminds me of those planes. Yeah, okay, this, where did I read this? I don't I know. I thought Brett told you about it. No, no, this was, I told him about it. I oh, told I see. About this. I think it was in an Ellen Langer book, maybe. Anyway, so I think this is in World War II. And if I have my story right. So there were these old timers that could sit on top of the buildings. And this was in England, and they'd look out. And they could see a plane on the distant, distant horizon. And they could tell what country that plane was from. And they could do it with basically perfect accuracy. Wow. But these were old timers, and some of them were starting to lose their vision and such. And so they got some youngsters up there said, okay, old timers, teach the youngsters how to do this. Okay. And the youngsters would look out there, and it's just a dot on the horizon. And the old, old timers would say, well, you're kind of looking for this or this. And they try to explain and teach the youngsters how to recognize what country that plane was from. But they just couldn't do it. Mm. I mean, the stimulus, the visual stimulus was mm. so un, unspecific that it's they, a very they just could not term. Them. So they started to figure out that if the young youngsters would just... Can we call them whippersnappers? The whippersnappers would just guess... They just look out and guess the country. And the old timers would say yes or no. That if they did that like a couple hundred times, then suddenly the youngsters would have it. Whippersnappers. The whippersnappers would have it. <laughs> yeah, old timers and whippersnappers. Yeah. The whippersnappers would have it. And they couldn't teach it or explain wow, it. Wow, so but this is kind pass of a direct thing. Great. I know this is why it reminded me of that, right? Because you couldn't teach it. Here is what it is. Here's how you tell. Right. They simply had to absorb without... That's like what babies do. Yes. There's so much power to our human minds to learn, to be creative, to have ingenuity. And I think sometimes when we have this method of just going onto the computer and that is our answer, we're tuning out these other powers of our mind. We just, we kind of get really lucky to have these people out here for three, four months at a time in the woods where we get to see a lot of these things naturally emerging out of people. Things that are maybe almost forgotten in our world. It's a beautiful thing to witness and so amazing to see the skills and the discoveries and the inventions that take place. It's, mm. it's unbelievable. Now, I want to go back to going on Google for answers or the internet, shall we say, because obviously there are other search engines out there. One thing that I learned, I think it was in the course of doing these podcasts, mm -hmm. that we forget that a lot of what we search for out there on the internet is like 
I don't know, how would you say it? It's they've taken our information and analyzed it and then they track what we do and then they give us answers based on what we think we would like. Yeah. And what do you call How so, would you say that? Um, I, I can't remember the term exactly, but basically, you know, you can think of yourself being in, a, in an information bubble. And the idea there that these search engines, they do track your searches and they know what you click on and they try to feed you more of that because mm. that's what you're interested in right. is the assumption. And so thus we're going to give you more of what you're interested in. The problem then is that you get into this ideological bubble mm. where you're not able to see out of it because the search results won't give you that. They're skewed. Yeah. Trying and to be helpful. They're trying to be helpful. It's like smartphones maybe. that are smarter than you. Right. <laughs> but the helpfulness is the assumption that we want to get to the information that we want as quickly as possible. Instead right. of another assumption, like maybe some completely different information or seeing the other side of right. that argument might be of more benefit to us. Well, I believe we were talking about this in terms of YouTube and just how in your playlist you're only going to see certain videos because of their content and the way that they've been statistically put into the system and that's you know another thing we have to remember is that a lot of the internet is curated you're not seeing just raw unfiltered information you're usually seeing okay youtube is a great example mm -hmm. you're going to be seeing stuff that comes out of your previous searches or stuff that's really popular for right. something to be really popular it has to adhere to certain flashiness to maybe not going too in depth into something because it has to be quick and easy to digest mm. it can't be too brainy it can't be too <laughs> it has to appeal to a, a really large audience yeah that's great but again we're seeing things through filters and that's what we sometimes don't understand or remember I, i'd say boy it happens right here I mean, we have our YouTube videos mm -hmm. and we put out a lot of content, but there's a lot of stuff that happens at Rewild University that we will not show on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And it might just be the everyday, like a great example would be just the everyday talks around a campfire maybe. Mm -hmm. And they're just too slow paced and, you know, lasted for three and a half hours <laughs> and there was some meditation in there. And we're not going to see that on YouTube. There's some amazing talks and things that happen around that campfire, some breakthroughs, but it's you're not going to see that. Yeah, I, I understand that. It's a hard thing to remember as you're Googling something. Yeah, we can think everything in the world is out on the Internet. But I can tell you right now, there is, you know, 99% of what happens at Rewild University is not on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and probably, probably good for all of us who are growing and learning here. Yeah. Yeah. Have a little private space. Try to find our own creative things. I have to just step back and say, I think part of the reason, at least for someone like myself, who is a perfectionist or a recovering perfectionist, is that I get afraid that I'm not going to do it the right way, oh, especially if it's something that I get like one chance for, or I can really mess it up. Or I have, let's say I'm cooking something and I have really expensive ingredients. You think I'm going to go and just look, well, well, I'll just try this and this and this. And oops. Right. You try it yourself. You goof it up. And the people around you are going to be saying, 
what is wrong with you? Yeah, Don't you it, just look that up, uh, yes. Google it, and have done it right? Right. I think there's that fear of failure. That's something that if we could shift that around, because that is the mother of invention. Failure, mistakes. Oh, that is how we grow. That's how we learn. That's how we create new things. Yeah. I mean, imagine if you were a little baby and you tried to crawl and you fell on your face and you never tried again. What would happen to the human race? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, failure is where we get a lot. I mean, think of Velcro. 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 Velcro was just this guy who went out with his dog and noticed the burrs were sticking to his dog, the burdock. See, you know, the burdock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he studied that and was like, hey, let's make Velcro. I mean, you've got penicillin. You've got chocolate chip cookies. You have all sorts of different accidental discoveries, quote, mm. failures. Sticky notes are a great one. I think it was 3M, don't quote me on that, but someone was trying to make a super sticky glue or whatever, and okay. they had this substance, and it wasn't very sticky. And then <laughs> some guy, so they put it on the shelf, and like four years later, some guy noticed like his marks for his that he had in his book for his notes kept falling out everywhere okay. and he remembered that stuff and was like, oh, I'm going to see if that can go on my paper and just kind of keep it loosely in there in my book. Huh. And then, voila, post-it notes. Post-it notes. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Super useful for many it, things. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that, that these things that were kind of, quote, accidents or mm. somebody attempting something and failing then became, I mean, there's loads of them. I think of it with parenting. Mm. so often we don't allow experimentation with our children these days right oh my gosh this is so true like uh, i'll show you how to do it right i think of this morning because i felt this urge myself well we, we sometimes making... get in a hurry too oh yeah i mean we we're making platanos pancakes a yeah new recipe. plantain plantain, plantain pancakes. pancakes um new recipe and mirabelle really wanted to cook them and she was having trouble flipping them and turning them into kind of, well, let's say... Uh, little mangles? Scramble. Yeah, little mangles. <laughs> scramble plantain. <gasps> little mangle. Oh my gosh, do you remember little mangle? <laughs> oh God, why do we have to bring this up here? We do have to bring it up. We might have sensitive listeners. I know. Little mangle was was named after the fact. Oh little no. mangle was the cutest little bunny behind... Baby bunny. Baby bunny behind oh, our apartment in Stevens eyes. Point in Wisconsin. Yes cutest little how did little mango become little mango i don't think we ever knew i don't know maybe we shouldn't talk about this let's just we let everybody draw conclusions okay oh, i don't it's just that one morning waking up i and, know yeah oh. let's just say little mango was no longer one contiguous piece of bunny rabbit and slightly less cute i'm just saying we might have sensitive listeners it's as far as we're going okay it's a little like the zombie vampires in my dream last night did I tell you about that super vivid dream? It was I, gross. I cannot handle this anymore. Can we get back on track? Except I just have to tell you, I didn't tell you this yet. One of the zombie vampires was a chicken, <laughs> a large chicken, and it was attacking me over and over. And I knew it couldn't <laughs> bite me with its, like, black, gross, slimy beak or would turn <laughs> me into one of them. So I was batting it back. <laughs> oh, Kenton, please stop. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. I tried it. Let him out of his closet only once in a while. <laughs> when I do, he puts Google across his forehead. Hey. <laughs> I'm going to lose it here. There, nobody's going to listen to us anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> okay, so... The... <laughs> Let's go back to Mirabelle trying to make the plantain pancakes, yeah. please. So we let her make the pancakes. We just said, let's let them be little mangles. Half an hour later, oh, she's she was making these beautiful. Oh, yeah. She was having so pancakes. much fun, too. Oh. It was great. It's important. It's important to let other people try things and fail. And, that, oh. and let them try again. Second chances are good. I know I want second chances and third chances. So we basically have to learn to Google our brain. What you're saying now is to check in with ourselves before we just sit down and type in, how do I blah, blah, blah. Right. Or it's whatever it is we're looking for the answer for. And like usual, I'm not trying to say that the internet or Google is a bad thing, but to use it wisely and to say before I go ahead and I use the power of Google, I'm going to Google my brain first and see if that solves the problem or that comes up with a solution. Okay. I I see now (sighs) why you're weird. No, I mean... I called called you that right in front of everybody. I know. Name calling. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't call me a weird doe, so that would be name calling. You just kind of made a... I said that you are Character. very special. Thank you. Speaking of special people. Our patrons. Our patrons. You are very special to us because we get to have a whole bunch of fun and then share it with all of you and all sorts of other people too. Bless your heart one and all because you allow this to be Mirabelle's channel, our YouTube channel, these podcasts. They would not be here without you. So thankful. We are so thankful. If you would like to become a patron and help us to create these, you can do so at rewildu, R-E-W-I-L-D-U dot com. You scroll down a little bit and through PayPal or through Patreon, you can become a patron, support these podcasts and our YouTube channels and keep this material going out to the world. And of course, we have all kinds of other stuff on that website, online courses, Forest Monk program, much more. And if you aren't in a place where you can become a patron yet, that doesn't mean that you can't also send us lots of love. Go onto our podcast page thingy, wherever. I don't know how this works very well, but write... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, It's right on the website. Yeah, yeah. Give us five stars. Oh, oh, that's on iTunes. Yeah, see, I don't Uh, understand where all this is. It's too complicated for me. Yeah, any feedback is valued is what she's trying to say in a cute little way. Thank you, that's it. At least I'm cute. (laughs) Yeah, well, seriously. Now. On to our action points. Yeah, but that is not how you do it. I know. Oh my gosh, what is wrong with you tonight? (laughs) I'm weird, huh? (laughs) You can insult me. I, I did, but it has to be not like an insult, but you can just tell me. Uh, okay, help me out with this. How do I do this? Oh, I don't know. It's time for you to unleash your life. That's what I'm going to say right now. <laughs> unleash your life is the way you're supposed to say it. Let's <laughs> have some spirit here. This is a podcast. We're trying to make this be you do exciting. It. I, I've never done it before. You can do it in my know. voice, the way you would think I should do it. Hi, it's all time now to unleash your life. <laughs> okay, that is enough. People. Yeah, they don't even know who said that. <laughs> Please, Kevin. That was in. good. Wow. <laughs> To be one of those mimical persons. I'm really sorry. <laughs> okay. We should not do these this late at night anymore. 
we're 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 doing this a little late at night. Yeah. Okay, so number one, well, read a book or talk to a person. So this is action point number one of Googling your brain, which is to go get information from some other source that's going to provide you with A, the ability to make an interpersonal connection, or B, to perhaps find an accidental discovery of some other kind of interesting information. I kind of hit this one with the wood wide web, which I became very interested in last year. Mm. That's probably a podcast sometime. <gasps> totally. And I looked up online and I, I learned some stuff about it. So I kind of got a base knowledge. But then we went to our local museum, our natural history mm. museum. Oh my gosh, I learned so much because there are these interactive experiences and you could get down there and be the mycelium. And, and Yeah, there they had a whole, uh, what would you call that? Thingy. <sighs> Okay, whatever. Thingy. Yeah. Yes. And it was awesome. You learned so much. When I read a book on it, same thing. The depth of knowledge that I gained was so much more than I got from the videos and the stuff I read online, which again gave a superficial knowledge, but not like a book. Or like talking to a person. Oh, yeah. Especially if you're going to learn a skill or something like that. Or somebody, you want to go out fishing. Somebody who knows the spots, knows the time to go. Yeah. Uh, Google's probably not going to tell you that. Jim's going to teach me to fly fish this year. You are going to fly fish? Imagine me trying to learn that from Google. (laughs) Fish hook in the back of the head, baby. Okay, we better go on. <laughs> I've got a story about a fish hook in, a, in my pinky. Really? Do you yeah. want to tell it here? No. Okay. I guess well, so. now you have to. Well, I was a young boy. A whippersnapper. A whippersnapper. On the lakes of, on the shore, rather, of Clear Lake, Wisconsin. Okay. Next to me was my, uh, well, he wasn't my stepbrother yet. My friend, Paul. Okay. And he did a mighty cast and as he did his mighty cast, I felt a mighty pull on my pinky. <laughs> and I looked down and there was the hook into my pinky. Ah. Luckily, my dad was an ER physician. so Did he have to actually... Well, it wasn't all the way through. So you have to push it through the rest of the way. Oh, and really? And then you cut off the barb what and is... then you pull it out. There's like a subtle undercurrent in this podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> Blotch and gourd. Vampire chickens. Okay. But because he was a doctor, he first gave me a shot of, like, whatever to numb it up. So Uh, it didn't even hurt. Okay, action point number two. Take a course. So sometimes people come out, and I mean this in no disparaging way, but sometimes people are kind of YouTube survivalists. Mm -hmm. And they've watched a lot of videos, and so they have a lot of um, knowledge, kind of. Mm Mm-hmm. But not a lot of what we call dirt time. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So they haven't tried the things. Mm. And certainly haven't tried the things outside of a garage or backyard or something. Right, like in the field. Right. So when we want to learn something, to go and take a course, to go take a class. Yeah. You can get this in-depth knowledge by going directly to an expert and learning from them. Whether that is going to learn yoga or edible plants. Making snowshoes. Making snowshoes. Making knives. There's so many things we can learn in this world. And we can watch other people do it Mm -hmm. on YouTube. But you can also go do these things yourself 
if you look around, find someone who's teaching it, and wow, you yeah. might be amazed at what we're capable of. It's really neat when you start to get your body involved into it. Oh, I yeah. think there's something about that muscle memory and everything that you can't get if you don't put in the time just doing it, making the mistakes, adjusting, and learning again. Mm. Oh, great. Okay, what's number three? Experiment and allow failure. I, this, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was thinking about cooking, mm-hmm. actually. And I think this would be a great place. I've been an avid recipe follower. I listen to oh, the yeah. recipes. Uh, but that's shifted over my life. It has. Yeah. To where now I can just make food. Oh, yeah. Your soups? <laughs> okay. Sometimes I just have to stop myself. And I'm not a soup person. I've never been a soup person. It's just because my soups are super. (laughs) Oh, you're so bad. I know. That one was really bad. (laughs) No, they are seriously so good sometimes. This has happened many, many times where I'm eating the soup and I've had, this is my fifth bowl. And I just look at you and I say, I I just have to stop (laughs) because I can just, I think I could go until I pop (laughs) like that. Do not tell any more stories. I'm drawing the line. It's a movie. It's an old movie. What's that English, you know, English humor? Oh, Monty Python. Monty Python movie, yeah. Okay. The famous guy that popped. Anyway, okay. (laughs) I'm going to suggest that you find something that you're not quite comfortable in and just go into it. It could be art. It could be cooking. It could be wilderness bushcraft survival skills. And instead of getting all prepared and researching ahead of time, just Grab some stuff and go do it. You can always do that research later on. But trying something out the first time by yourself, you will probably mess it up. But you're going to learn from those mistakes. And you might figure out some stuff that nobody else has thought of and have some flashes of ingenuity and creativity that otherwise would not have come if you went straight to being instructed. Four. Okay. There is a time and a place for the internet. But maybe not for Google, because there is a great secret that we are going to disclose. Are we going to get shut down for this? I don't know. We might. Okay. If this is the last you hear of us, then you know they've come for us. Yeah. Okay. Here it is. There are other search engines besides Google. I can't believe you said that. I know. And we're going to actually broadcast this. Are the men in black here already? Wait, we haven't published it. They're still watching us. They can hear that. No, but truthfully, there are search engines out there that are just going to give you the straight up results without tracking you and analyzing things and skewing the results. Right. So there's a couple that don't track you. And if they don't track you, they're just going to give you results rather than trying to always cater exactly to your past searches. Okay, so who are these? What are these? There's, Do you say who or what? I guess what, huh? Because they're not people. There's two that I'd like to... Okay. So probably the one that's most well-known is Duck, Duck, Go. As in quack, quack. Duck, Duck, Go. As in like Duck, Duck, Grey Duck? Yeah. No. Like Duck, <laughs> Duck, Go. Okay. <laughs> duck, Duck, Go. Go, yes. Mm-hmm. In Duck, Duck, Go, you can just go and you can download it. And it is going to give you clean search results. Right. They do not track you. Right. Okay. And the other one is Ecosia. E-C-O-S-I-A? 
something like that. <laughs> it has trees on it, pretty trees. And the reason it has trees is that they are they run carbon free. In fact, they plant trees to offset stuff that um, they do use. So they build themselves as not carbon neutral, but car- carbon negative. Wow. And they, no, it does track you, but it erases the, that tracking after a week. And there's a button you can hit to erase all tracking if you want. Right. They give you a choice and they're very upfront about it. Yeah. And the ads that are up on there, if you ever click on an ad, if you're one of those people that clicks ads. If you're one of those people. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do it. I do right? too. Because because actually with Ecosia, then that money goes to planting trees. Right. So every time you click an ad, it gives points towards tree be- trees being planted. Yeah. yeah. And often the ad is where you wanted to go anyway. Yes, this is true. So Ecosia is a great one. And you can load these on and you never have to use Google again. Or you can keep Google on the side and use it if you're not getting the search results you want and that's actually the way I roll with it because there's sometimes when Google gives me different results and I have those three different search engines to use. That is so awesome. You know, I have a little side from that, which is when you do a search, like we were doing this earlier, how to bake the best loaf of bread and and there were like eleven million six hundred thousand results or something. And we just said, Well what if we go out to I don't know page 14 of search results or something and that was fun because all of a sudden it wasn't just how to make the best loaf of bread there was like what super moist gluten-free banana bread and there was how to keep your bread fresh and what is the proper name for the last slice of bread in the end of the loaf or all these weird different things that I wouldn't have even thought of and it was really kind of fun it was more like going through a library. And there were some great bread recipes yes. on page 14. And so there it was. There's 11 million results. And the only ones that most of us are going to click on are those first 10 or however on that many are on that first page. Maybe we go to page two. Right. But how many times do you actually go to like page five? Uh-uh. <laughs> right. Five is my lucky number. So jump up to... 14 to 20 takes a couple seconds to leap forward like that. But then you're going to see some different stuff. And just because someone's best loaf of bread recipe is not the most popular one doesn't mean that way down in those search results is some woman in Italy that has this little teeny website that nobody knows about. And she is actually going to tell you how to make a kick butt loaf of bread. This is true. You never know when you're going to strike gold. Oh, yeah. Number five, stay on your rewilding journey. Well, rewilding asks us to find the answers within. Mm -hmm. And essentially, Googling your brain is asking you to go within in multiple different ways. To go within or else to create deeper connections. That's what we want with our rewilding journey. Deeper connection with ourself, with others, with the environment that we live in. It could not have been said better. Wow, thank you. So do you think I should put Google on my forehead now? At least the two little dots. Because it's kind of a, I mean, the round eyeballs. You want me to put round eyeballs on my forehead? Yeah, because the, okay, so I didn't tell you also about the zombie vampire Okay, that is enough. No, no, goodbye. We're going now. Goodbye. (laughs)